This is episode 27 of the Chick in Charge podcast. We are broadcasting from the Black Women's Expo in Atlanta, Georgia, from the Georgia International Convention Center. These interviews run concurrently. Number one, Aida Martinez of the American Kidney Fund. Number two, Freda Jones of Anise Incorporated. Number three, Mercedes Miller of the Georgia International Conference Center. Number four, J.R. Baker Flowers of the Unlearning Project. Number five, Mary Green, founder of the Black Women's Expo. And number six, Damara Gardner of Black Women About Business. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chick in charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Today we are here at the Georgia International Convention Center at the Black Women's Expo, and we are podcasting live. We are so excited to be here. I'm Mary Parker, the host of the Chick in Charge podcast, along with my co-host, Miss Sarah Smith. Good morning, with Mary. With Solution Roads. Good morning. And of course, we've got Port with us today. Hey, Port. Hi, Port. And you know, we're, we're really excited to have those attending and participating in the uh, conference today attend and participate with the podcast. Our first guest today is Aida Martinez. Can I jump in really quickly? Yes. Aida is a a community health worker, but she's with the American Kidney Fund. Come on and jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this kind of work. So as you already mentioned, I'm with the American Kidney Fund. Um, I actually graduated from the University of Maryland with a bachelor's in community health. When did you graduate? Uh, December of 2016. Ooh, so good, I've been good. with this company over a year now. Um, I've been learning a lot. Um, kidney disease is actually one of the topics we didn't really get to touch up on and I learned a lot starting by working at, with this organization. Um, Why did they hire you? Well, um, I had a lot of community outreach experience, Okay. so uh, that was something that they found very appealing because that's one of the main things that I do. Um, we do a lot of community outreach, we host free screenings at different events like this one, and we really raise a lot of awareness about kidney disease. Right. Um, so yeah. And I think that's, that's important because, you know, we hear a lot about cancer, we hear about diabetes, hypertension, yep. but not a lot about kidney disease. Can you just address that and talk to us about some of the things we as women especially can do to mm-hmm. prevent some of those uh, well, illnesses? I, yeah, I can start off by saying that um, African Americans are actually affected by kidney disease at the highest rates in comparison to other races. Um, do you know? Do you know that? why? Yeah, why is that such a good question? <laughs> well, um, I know a lot of things play a role in that, um, in particular with, based on what I learned in school, and um, you know, risk factors being diabetes, high blood pressure, family history of kidney disease, obesity, and being over the age of sixty being a few. Um, I know minority communities, including African American communities 
um, have a higher incident rate of diabetes and high blood pressure. Wow. So yeah. are some of the same, are the contributing factors to kidney disease similar to those of the other diseases you mentioned? And it is, if so, is that something that we have control of? Yeah, so um, there's a few things that can help. Um, like I said, diabetes and high blood pressure are the two leading causes of kidney disease. So if they get, the, if we control that diabetes and blood pressure, yes, then we also control or limit the use, the uh, contracting of a kidney disease. Yes. Are there um, other ways to contract kidney disease? Uh, those are the two leading ways, um, aside from family history, and some people are born with, um, you know, kidney the issues. Genetics. So yeah. Um, but those are really the two leading causes. And um, something else that's really important is that um, kidney disease has a tendency not to show any side effects up until it reaches chronic kidney disease, which is when um, people usually have to go on dialysis or get on the list for a new kidney. Wow. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And that's why it's we're, so interesting. Yeah, that's why we're here to raise awareness about that. Gotcha. Because... Um, you know, people who have stage three won't know they have it unless their doctor tells them because they'll feel perfectly fine. Or wow. So that kidney disease, like some of the others we're talking about, could also be a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really, really interesting. And I'm really, really happy you're here today at the Black Women's Expo because it, heightening that awareness is going to be really, really good. So thank you so much for being here. Now I want to know a little bit about you. You're so young. And he's so, so and pretty. Yeah. She's such a pretty, yeah. pretty woman. So tell me, how did, how did you get into this kind of work? Well, I always been, I've always been inspired of bridging the gap in between minorities and, you know, the health that they deserve. Right. Um, Because I've noticed minorities are usually the ones that are limited from certain resources, uh, whether it's socioeconomically or just uh, the area that they live in, they don't have easy access to health care or health services. So, um, you know, me being Latina, I was first inspired by, you know, bridging that language gap, um, trying to cause, uh, help develop more trust within communities and health services like the American Kidney Fund. You know, some people may have not heard of them, but our services are really helpful and we step into communities and really try to empower them through their health. That is wonderful. I, I applaud you today for the yes, work that you're too. doing. Me too. And uh, so is that the primary thing that brings you here today to this expo, to this Black Women's Expo? Yeah. Uh, like I said, African Americans are at higher risk than other ethnicities um, to get kidney disease. So right. we really want to raise awareness about it, um, especially with high blood pressure and diabetes being, the, being like the two leading causes of kidney disease. So um, we actually run into a lot of people not knowing that kidney disease has no symptoms until it's too late. So. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't so know. That's very, very yeah, important. Yeah, we're just here to raise awareness. And Mary, I love, love, love seeing a very well-educated uh, young, young millennial yes. <laughs> woman working in healthcare. And I have a quick question for Aida. Um, with in your in your opinion, just in general, in your opinion, as a millennial, do you see a lot of other millennials going into healthcare, or is this sort of not a popular area right now? Well, um, just your observation. I don't know about healthcare in particular, but I do notice a lot of my colleagues are very motivated to motiv- to helping communities in need, right? Um, especially minority communities. So. 
Um, we like to be that voice for people who don't have it. Gotcha. Um, that's really been my observation. I don't know if it's because I surround myself with people who have the same ideology or values as me. Um, but like I said, I graduated from the University of Maryland, and I really Great see school. that. Yeah, I really Great see school. that from the people around me at that university. So I was really inspired there as well. Did your parents play any role in influencing you in doing this kind of work? <laughs> um, my parents would have been happy with anything I chose, being okay. you know um, a daughter of immigrants. So. They just want to see me happy, and they're obviously proud of me wanting to inspire those um, that don't have the voice that they deserve. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And by the way, we're very, very, very proud of you. And <laughs> just based on this conversation with you today, I can say that you are definitely a chick, <laughs> the, the chick in charge in the making. Yes, yes, So yes. Uh, we will continue to undergird you. And, uh, and support you in any way that we can as well because we have mentoring programs. We have, you know, the Mary Parker Foundation. One of the things we do there is uh, one of our pillars is education and it's education from the perspective of raising other generations and it's no particular industry. So congratulations to you, congratulations to your parents and thank you so much for being here today and volunteering to be on this show. And what about getting in? What about finding more, finding out more information about the American Kidney Fund? Where do people who listen go to find this out? Yeah, so we're actually doing a lot of initiatives. Um, we're actually starting a diet corner for um, people who have kidney disease because okay. a lot of times their diet's very limited. Okay. Um, and we have a lot of information on our website, so you can just go to kidneyfund.org. Great. And uh, you'll find a lot of resources on there. Terrific. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Aida. So, you so happy me. to see you today. Thank you <laughs> yes, so much. thank you. And much success here at the conference. Well, <laughs> that is it with our health professional from the community health worker, Ms. Aida Martinez. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. And don't go away because we'll be back. Stay tuned. with us this morning. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. So you want to go ahead, tune yourself in, and invite all of your friends to share in on this podcast. We are with Freda Jones of Aniz Inc. Yes. And we're going to be talking about the widespread and increasing number of African Americans right here in Atlanta, Georgia, that's carrying HIV. Freda, you want to jump right in and yep. just give us some education today. And specifically, let's talk to our women and how can we do a better job at controlling these transmitters. Hi, everyone. My name is Freda Jones, born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia. I myself have been surviving HIV for 16 years. So it's very important to me that women get tested and also be educated about HIV, not just women, but the whole community to educate themselves more. Because I think if we educate ourselves more, we can erase the number of people getting infected. And um, the number is going up so high, and it's due to the stigma, because we are not talking about it. Right. As you know, when we was growing up, our parents taught us, whatever goes on in this house stays in the house and yeah. keep your mouth shut. Yes. 
you know so now a lot of people are keeping their mouth shut and not disclosing their status so when they don't disclose their status they are infecting other people and also with them not disclosing it, a lot of things are involved in that you have the stigma you have the denial the secrecy the shame and the guilt so now they're not compliant to the medication we also have it now where they have did studies that if you are HIV positive and you stay compliant to your treatment, that you cannot transmit the virus to anyone. Wow, that's incredible. Yet people are still not, well, it's evident yes. that people are still not practicing safe sex. We're still not having ourselves tested as we should. Right. Why do you, well, you mentioned the shame and the denial and all of that. But you're doing the right thing. Education, increasing the awareness is always paramount, would you say? Yes, yes. Um, education is it's very important that they get educated. And the reason, uh, let me speak for myself. Please do. The reason why I didn't get tested, because I didn't think it applied to me. A professional woman in a relationship for four years with someone that I didn't think he was HIV positive. Did that um, individual know they were positive? HIV I found positive? that out after I found out my status. Um, I found out that he was positive nine years before he even met me. But, um, and some people, I may have a little disagreement with what I'm going to say. I looked at what part I played in it. And until we own the part that we play in it, Excellent. we're going to continue having problems. I had to own my part. I did not ask this young man um, his status. Um, he looked good. He smelled good. And if this is a grown folks talk show, I'm going to yep. say the sex was good. Good. So sure. I did not even think to ask him his HIV status because, again, I didn't think I was at risk. Back then, um, the media put it out as if it was a gay white man disease. Of course. So here I am, a black african-american woman entrepreneur in a relationship i didn't think i was at risk because the media didn't tell me i was at risk yeah so in other words we're all at risk yes and so how would you how, how do you enter into a conversation with a male or a female in terms of of that of their of whether or not they're hiv do you just pose their health general health question to them that will lead in how do you get to that point? Uh, now, we just need to get to it. You know, instead of, uh, they say, beating around the bush, we need to just get to it. You know, before we get to the lighting the candles and the body massages, you know, yeah. things like that. Getting ready happening. for everything and else, you're ready right? for everything Better else, know but what you have not. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're looking at those things, but we are not asking those questions. So to, what they say, sugarcoat it, we have to stop sugarcoating these questions now yep. and just get to the point and ask before you... When you're grown, you basically know if you want to have a sexual interaction with somebody. You, you're grown. You've been having sex for for years. Right. You know, so just get to the point and ask this question. Have you been tested for HIV? Do you know your status? When the last time you got tested? Yeah. How many partners have you had? Do you know your partner's status? We just need to get to the... Just, just quit sugarcoating sugar as you, quit as sugar you just and just get 
get to it right. and ask those questions. Now, we are not asking the right questions now. We want to know what kind of car he is driving. Credit scores, you know, all the, of that, yeah, Definitely right? the credit score now. <laughs> definitely the credit score now. That's very real important. Are we asking those questions, but we are not asking about the sexual health. And it's very important in the community. Whether you're a man or woman, right. you have to ask those questions now. I mean, even you have um, kids that was born with HIV. Right. Now, HIV, they've been talking about it for about 35 years now. Yeah. So what about the kids that was born with it that's not disclosing their status? Right. Because of the way the media put it out, oh, you must be nasty, you were being promiscuous, yep. and yeah. things like that. So it <clears> makes <throat> them shame to even talk about it. So we got to talk about it a little bit more. Very, very good. That's wonderful. Great feedback. And I've learned something today as well. Great. Because even though in talking with guys that I may be interested in dating, I have a top 10 uh, deal breakers list. Okay. And guess what? That question is not on my list. Wow. As now of you today, have a top 11. Is, <laughs> as of today, it just moved up to at least number three. Yes. Right. So right. ladies, I'm encouraging you men too that if you don't know your status, number one, make sure you do to ensure that you're not the transmitter. Then secondly, you wanna make sure that you're posing these questions to people you're interested in. Now we know about getting the information. Talk to us about how women and men can be even more protective. What are the things we can do to protect ourselves even if we don't have the information? We can protect ourselves more by educating ourselves. Because if we educate ourselves more, and then we are equipped with the knowledge of protecting ourselves. And we have to go a little bit farther than just using a condom. I feel like I protected myself starting at the age of 32. That's when I became a grown woman, when I found out that now I have HIV. So I equipped myself with tools to protect myself. I protected myself with self-esteem. I protected myself with knowledge. I protected myself with uh, now condom use. I had learned more about condoms at the age of 32 yeah. than I did when back when I first started having sex right. at the age of 17. Yeah. So we have to protect ourselves with more than just the condom. You know, we have- Knowledge some, is power. Knowledge is power. So. We have to ask these questions. You know, sometimes we see the young ladies and we add, we be like, oh my God, why is she having all this unprotected sex? She keep having so many babies. So now we have to get to the core of why this young lady is having it. Yep. You know, we see this nice honey crisp apple, you know, but we're not getting to the core of what's really the problem. Gotcha. Now we have low self-esteem. Yeah. Because when you have low self-esteem, you put yourself at risk of having a lot of more things than just unprotected sex. So we got to start educating and equipping people a little bit more than with just condoms. This is so good. This, this is, is really such great, great information. And would you also say <laughs> that we have with us Miss Frida Jones, Freda Jones, yes. yep. the chick in charge as yes. it relates to this information. And, and I applaud this is so you huge. for being personal, for using your own experience about yes. this. That makes it so real and so genuine. Yes. And yes. I really, really hope our listeners are taking this information because that too, being in charge of your own life first, enable you to be the chick in charge. Can I ask a question? Absolutely, Sarah. So, Fred, a lot of young people in Georgia, when they go to college, 
they aren't taking measures to protect themselves. And the universities are a little hotbed for this stuff to spread, be it um, HIV or other sexually transmitted diseases. Um, and a lot of the universities aren't, aren't talking about it. What would, you, what would you say to the parents? Like, my son is going to college today. He is in Savannah, and he's at Georgia Southern. Ooh, they love and, going to Savannah. They yep, <laughs> yep. And they do. I found out that um, you know Savannah State has one of the highest HIV ratings of any college in the country. Yes. And why are our colleges in Georgia so, so high on the list of students young people with HIV and young people transmitting it. I'm going Great to go questions. back. I'm going to go back to the um, it starts at home. Yeah. 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 We have to start talking to our kids about sex. We want them to be virgins the rest of their lives. We wish. I do that. I did that. I have done it and you would be really proud of me because when my kids were in middle school, I would sit down and I would be like this is HIV. This is what happens. This is how you get it. This is how you don't get it. This is what will happen. And, yes. And, and I would do it in you. front of their friends. Right for you, Sarah, because you have boys. I do. I have girls. I do. I've done the same thing with my girls. Fantastic. Your son is going this year. I have a senior. She's going to be a senior wow. in high school this year. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Very popular. Mm -hmm. And so I have to bring her to the house, and this is grandma, Grandma's duty is really placing all that in front of her. So if you would, go ahead and address the question that Sarah just posed. Um, like I said, we have to start at home, educating our kids at home yep. and stop thinking that, oh, it's not my kids, my kids are not having sex. You know, I don't want them to be having sex. So I equip them with all the stuff. Now, now that he has the tools in his book bag that his mom gave him, but I'm not carrying those tools with me when I'm going out to party. I don't yeah. want to be seen like the dorky one, you yeah. know, that's carrying a condom with me, you know, so I, I'm not going to say anything. So we have, you're doing a great job. Y'all doing a great job equipping the kids with the things that'll make them think like, wow, hmm, I do remember. Cause I remember some of the things that my grandmother taught me I'm almost 50, but I remember some of the things that she taught Absolutely. me, and I can still use those tools sure. now. So don't stop doing the things that you're doing. Keep talking they, about yes, it. Keep talking about yeah. it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. And if you're, let me go to the uh, young men. We have to stop making them feel like it's not comfortable to be gay. Right. If they choose to be gay, exactly. educate yourself behind it. So that way he can't feel like he can't come to mom or dad and let them know, look, mom, dad, this is, I choose to be gay. Now we are letting them know that, no, you're not supposed to be gay. You're right. supposed to be giving me grandkids. And no, they, they don't want to give you any grandkids. Leave them alone. Right. You know, educate yourself, educate your babies, and then let them be fine. They will protect themselves more if they know that, okay, my mom and my dad know that I'm gay. Now I don't have to um, take Tanya over to her house, you know, because she think I, I want to be with out. Tanya. And then I drop Tanya off and right. go sleep with Tony. Right. You yeah. know, right. So that's making the kids feel like they have to sneak and do stuff. And it's making them feel uncomfortable. Right. Right. So now we have this young man 
that's afraid to let people know that he's gay. Yep. He's having sex with Tony, and then he's going to have sex with Tanya. That's how the virus keeps spreading right. because we are not making the kids feel comfortable and living in their truth. Yes. You know, yes. that's who, this is who I am, and I'm comfortable with yep. this. So. Uh, for the young one that's out there listening, let your parents be comfortable. Educate your parents about the tools that you have as well. Yeah, that's such oh, great, that's great information. Here's a question. How helpful do you think it would be uh, to have more of this kind of conversation at orientation? As the young people are going into college and you know they're getting acclimated with everything, especially in the areas where we know this the uh, infection rate is so high. I think it would be great to have the orientation. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of advocates out here that's willing to disclose their status openly. Right. Invite them in, you know, during orientation. Allow them to bring condoms in. You know, uh, we packing their bags and packing their refrigerators, but we're not packing their condoms. Yeah, or you know, information. Or information. I. Um, Recently, I have some uh, some young ladies was on their way to college, yeah. and their parent called me and said, "Well, can you come to the cookout? My daughter's getting ready to go to college." We love and those talk parents. About HIV. Yes. Those are yeah. amazing parents. So, out of all these years I've been doing it, I think this was the best one that I had. Fantastic. To talk at the picnic to some kids that was getting ready to go to college. Oh, that's so that excellent. Was great. Oh, great. Well, you know what? We're going to bring you next year when the Mary Parker Foundation hosts this annual back-to-school party. Yes. And you can come and give a blurb and bring supplies for our children as Fantastic. well. I think that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Freda, would you talk about your group that you're here with? Okay. The group I'm here with today is Anise Incorporated. Anise, we provide a variety of services. We have support groups for the ones that's living with HIV. Okay. We have uh, clinicians there, the ones that help them process it while living with HIV. We have uh, opioid um, um, interventions there. We have grandparents for the grandparents that um, are taking care of the grandkids. Now the parents are out doing other stuff. We have that program. We are always out doing HIV testing and HIV education. And we also getting ready to start talking about PrEP. Yeah. PrEP is pre-exposure prophylactic where we prevent people from taking or uh, from getting infected with HIV. Right. Women don't think that they can take that medication. So we need to spread that word out a little bit more. Um, so we do a lot of variety of things there. At so if people visit your table here at the Black Women's Expo, they're going to find information about PrEP? Yes, you will find information about PrEP. I'll be at the table showing you how to use different kinds of condoms. Cool. So we're going to have some fun there. Woo-hoo. And also free HIV testing here Fantastic. Today. Oh, Wonderful. that's brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Get your results today. You'll get your results today. Wow. And so how do people find out about you online? Um, Aneesinc.org. Great. Great. All right, Mary, what do you think? Oh, wow. This is is just incredible. So we're doing here at the Black Women's Expo at the GICC. We're, you know, we just never know what we're going to bring for you when we're out at expos like this, but this is pleasantly, pleasantly surprising. It's amazing. That we've got so much health awareness today. Yeah. Yes. We've talked with someone from the Kidney Fund, and now we're talking HIV. Love and it. we've got another health professional coming on. So thank you all. I believe this has been a very, very informative show. Yes. Spread the news about Anise Inc., Yes. And HIV 
the, and the spreading of HIV. Yes. So uh, thank you so much for being, for, thank thank you you. So much for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Sarah, Frida. thank you, Port, and thank you, our listeners. We're not gone. Stay tuned. We'll be back. are here at the Black Women's Expo at the Georgia International Convention Center. This is Mary Parker, your host of the Chick in Charge podcast, along with my co-host, Ms. Sarah Smith, Solution Rhodes, and Port Wilson. Hey, Port. But we're so excited because we have with us the general manager of the Georgia International Convention Center with Miss Mercedes Miller. Mercedes, come on, chime right in. I've got, a, I've got a question for you, but please introduce yourself to our listening audience. Good morning, my name is Mercedes Miller. I'm the executive director here at the Georgia International Convention Center, as well as the general manager for the new Gateway Arena that will be opening in the fall of 2019. Very, very good. And Mercedes, you know, we're, we're just gonna talk. Okay. Because we've known each other, let's say 20 years, it's been about 20 years, and I've watched how you've risen from where you were as an event planner, I believe, mm -hmm. when I first met you, to now running this place. Tell us, how does it feel being a female in a male-dominated industry running an operation such as this? Um, it's exciting. I get to impact other people's lives. I get to give people jobs. I get to make a difference. Um, I want to do an extraordinary job because when I get out of my seat, I want another woman to sit in my seat. Love it. So it is, sometimes I have to admit it is frightening to sit around a table and it's all men, but I pull my, my big girl suit on and I sit up proud and I own my seat because I feel like I've worked for it. Very, very good. And to that end, how do you prepare when you know that you're going to be in that environment with all men? How do you prepare yourself? It's more of a mind thing because I think with women, we always challenge whether we are supposed to be there or whether we're worthy. We're always questioning ourselves. Men feel like even if I have to fake it, I can do it, but we want perfection when we go there so no one will question our position there. Um, but I find that through prayer and through favor, I am where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there, and Ooh. I'm there to make a difference. Amen. Thank you for that. And you know, one, what I am going to sum up what you just said here uh, to our listening audience, especially the young women out there who's listening today, entrepreneurs, if there is something you want to do, based on Mercedes' comment, you want to first of all own it. You own it. Understand that you've prepared for it. You are supposed to be there. And also, figure out, if you don't know what your purpose is, learn and, and determine what your purpose in life is. And then just put your big girl suit on and go on out there. I would I like to add one other thing that I do, because Mercedes, as you know, I'm also in male-dominated industries. Uh, and the one thing that I do is make sure of my confident level. Confidence, confidence, confidence. How do you gain confidence? You over-prepare. You have a feeling that you're supposed to be there. You're not going for someone to give you something. Rather, you take something to the table yourself. And then most of all, know that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. Okay. So Mercedes, 
another question I have for you in terms of what you do here at the Convention Center and looking at your staff, what is the ratio? Do you have more women working with you or more men or, or how is that disparity? Um, believe it or not, my staff is half and half. Um, I do a Good lot for of you. I do a lot of mentoring with the women as well as the men. When you walk around GICC, you have more minority men in suits and in leadership than you do anywhere else. Because I feel like if you impact a man's life, you impact the family. But you also should bring us another sister along so that again she can one day walk in your shoes. So I am here to, um, I guess, to leave a legacy. Because um, it's not about me now. I've been in hospitality for almost 35 years. So I've made wow. my impact. My job is to help somebody else make an impact. Wonderful, Mercedes. I absolutely love that answer. And you keep up the good work. And I can vouch for that. I know that's what you're doing. So tell me, in terms of um, planning events for a place like this, how is, and I know you know because you're grassroots. Mm -hmm. I did the same thing. I do the same thing in security. You just know. Mm -hmm. But in transferring that talent, where do you start? Um, I, I guess I would rather take a clean sheet of paper that has an attitude of service and give them the skills. Um, anyone can be educated to have the skills, but you have to have that spirit of service. And here at the GICC, Such a we're good known point. for Such our service. Um, so I would take a young person and I would labor with them because I feel like somebody labored with me. So I want to give back that labor spirit and give that service spirit to the next generation. Wow, that labor of love is mm -hmm. so, so very important. And our, our young people need that as well. And you know, I, I, I travel everywhere as you, as you do as well. And what I'm finding is we're just not taking this legacy piece that you mentioned serious enough. And so talk about that in terms of how can, you know, some of our listeners who perhaps are in business or the family or whatever they're doing, how can they, what are some of the things they can do to embrace legacy building? Um, well, one, of, one thing you have to do is always walk in your calling. Because when you're walking in your calling, you don't have to worry about what you're doing because the God will insert the things that you need. Um, but for like for me, for the city of Atlanta, we have five different convention centers around the metropolitan area. And there's only one minority woman that's running the building. There's only one minority that is running the building. Um, so for me, I always feel like I have to work twice as hard because, again, I want another minority female to be able to sit in my seat. And if I don't do a good job, then they won't take a chance on me. And for the city of College Park, I'm always grateful because I felt like they took a chance on me. And if you take a chance on me, I'm going to make it worth your while. And because they took that chance on me, I've been able to work my way up from a sales manager all the way up to the executive director. Um, but I never forget where I came from. So when I meet new people, I'm looking for that passion. I'm looking for that, is this what you're called to do? And if this is what you're called to do, then I'm going to push you. I'm going to push, I'm going to pull until you get what you need to be able to go where you need to go. I could just stop right here and give you a hug because I'm so passionate about the things that you're that you're doing because it hits home for me as well. And you know, within our community and, and I and you know, this is my opinion, but within our community we have and I'm talking about the African American community right now, but we have so many talented people. We have so many children who could use our support. And so with that 
Let's talk a little bit about mentoring on the job as you've done with the women who are working for you to ensure that you are raising your replacement. But let's also talk about our community and the type of mentoring that we can offer. I appreciate the fact that you two are a servant leader. You understand that to whom much is given, much is required. So thank you for that. And could you please address that for us? Um, Where for me, I feel like when you get in the place that we are as minority women, you're almost like a tree. So if I'm the tree, then my branches are all the people that I've helped along the Love way. Love it. And not all of my branches stay where I am. A lot of them, they outgrow where we are. But we have to be vigilant enough to be able to push them out to the next level. I'm kind of like a, a bird. When you're finished, I'm going to push you out of the nest. Um, but I think we have to be able to give our community a chance. Um, when I hire people, I try to hire people that's within the community of the convention center. Um, but I'm very honest with people that I interview because I my first question, and I know it's a crazy question, but I ask people what's their crazy. Because I feel like <laughs> I if like you know question. you're crazy, yeah. then I don't have to try to figure out you're crazy. Love right, it. Right, um, right. <laughs> so if you tell me you're crazy, then when I see it, I'll say, okay, she told me her crazy. So, And I also tell people, I have to love my employees enough to tell them the truth. And that was the one thing that I wish I had along the way was somebody to tell me the truth. Tell me what I lack, tell me what I need. And what I want is for them not to make some of, some of the minor mistakes that I made just because there was nobody there to tell me what to do. Mercedes, wow. that is huge because you can identify what those weaknesses are early in your career and begin making the adjustments that one day, so that one day they will show up as a right. strength. Right. So that developmental piece is very, very critical. And some of the other things I would also like to add in terms of mentoring is to help our to help the young people to understand their purpose and, and, and walk in that calling also in helping them to helping to shape their mind to become forward thinkers, critical thinkers and to become servant leaders and you know because you have a mentor we want them to understand that mentoring is two part. You have a part, you have a role as the mentor, but as a mentee, you have a role as well. And that is to bring something to enhance or impact the life of your mentors as well. It's not all about coming to get what you can get, but always have something to give. Exactly, exactly. Um, I have learned a lot from my employees in, in being a manager. I've learned how to manage different people, and I've learned how to manage people where they are. Um, because I, I cannot manage an assistant director the same way I would manage a housekeeper. But I found if you go where people are, then people are more apt to take in what you have to give. Um, and a lot of times, especially in our community, we, we deal with so many childhood issues. It's always good to know your employees. There's never anybody hired in this building that does not come across my desk Very because good. I don't want to walk around and see somebody and not know who they are. And, some, and when they interview with me, I said, look, I'm not the interviewee. I want to know who you are. I want to know where you're from. I want to know what your background is. Because again, as, as a female black woman, sometimes when I'm sitting in those big board meetings, I have to tell my little girl to sit down because my little girl is scared to tell my grown woman to stand up. Oh, <laughs> so, wow, that is huge. Yes. I love it. This I could go on with you all day. This is perfect because, you know, this is my sweet yes. spot as well. <laughs> this is my sweet spot as well, but I won't, we won't belabor there much longer. Um, so 
for Mercedes after the after GICC. What are you doing now in preparing yourself for the next phase of your life? Um, well, I'm, I'm becoming very diversified. That's why I'm excited about the new arena, because I've never built a facility. So they, the city of College Park kind of gave me the money and said build a facility. So I'm learning something about starting something from the ground up. Um, the facility will be 90,000 square feet, and we're going to host the G League basketball team for the Hawks. So I'm looking, learning, I'm working in a, a whole new arena. And for me, I've worked in hotels, I worked in convention centers, I worked for the Atlantic Convention and Visitors Bureau, and now I will have an arena under my belt. Wow. So I feel like I feel like I'm full circle. Full circle. Yeah. So uh, there is no limit to where I can go in the hospitality industry. So I'm just I want to get get my baby taken care of the new arena. Yes. And I'm always open. I'm looking to what I would like to do is be the face of the hospitality industry for the South Side. So whenever you think of hospitality, I'd like for you to think about Mercedes because she's been all around. Mercedes, we already do. Yeah. <laughs> so you've done an excellent job at branding that. <laughs> Wonderful. I think that portfolio of yours is so exciting. Thank you. It really is. Thank you very I, much. I'd love to hear if you could, if you had your way, what would you want to see with the uh, arena? Um, well, for the South Side, it's the first building of its kind on the South Side. So I would like to see concerts. It can seat 5,000 people for a concert. Fantastic. But so for those concerts that are not large enough for the Georgia World Congress Center or the Mercedes Dome, we're the perfect size. Yeah. Because, again, I think the next size venue is about 2,600 seats. Gotcha. Um, cheerleading competitions, sporting competitions, graduations. Since they're putting everybody out of the different graduations venue, we can become the, the graduation site. Right. Um, so it, it is so uh, such a plethora of things that we'll be able to do, and it's an extension of this building. Yeah. So in this building, we have 400,000 square feet, so it moves us up to half a million square feet. Brilliant. So, wow, that I'm excellent. very excited about. That's yes. exciting. Yes. Would you ever use them together in tandem? Yes. Great. Yes. Because um, a lot of um, religious groups, they'll have a concert in one of the venues, and then they'll have their meetings over in the GICC. Exactly. So we'll operate as one. Anyone That's fantastic. Anyone that I hire, they have to work in both buildings. So when is it ready to go? It will be open in October of 2012. We'll play our first basketball game in November. Fantastic. So, yes. so That's October excited. of 2000? 2019. 2019. Yeah, I said 2012. Okay. okay. Very good. I just want to make good. sure we have the correct date. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mercedes, what... Chick tip would you offer some of our young listeners right now? Um, let's see. The first thing is when you get there, you deserve to be there. And for us, we'll start at the bottom and work our way up. And I think we have to own it. And prayer, um, you cannot go anywhere or do anything without prayer. Amen. And we always have to remember there is a scripture and I'll, I'll quickly quote it, but it says, when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing, and he finds favor, which means that we come with favor, and we have to learn to own and appreciate our favor. So use your favor for good. Woo. Own your favor. That's great. That is great. Well, Mercedes, I'm, first of all, I'm so happy to know you. <laughs> Secondly, I'm so happy to call you girlfriend. Yes. And yes. thirdly, I know that you are the chicken charge of this community Thank and you. beyond. Thank so you. keep up the great work. We're so absolutely 
proud of the things you're doing here. And, you know, I'm always going to be here to support you as we, as you do with yes, me. Yes, Mary, Mary is everybody's <laughs> mentor. She is the woman. <laughs> She's good at it. Thanks she for is. sure. Thank you so much for being here. And we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're continuing to promote the event here. Again, we are at GICC at yes. the Black Women's Expo. If you haven't registered, if you don't have your tickets, Come on out. They're going to be here through Sunday evening. Yes, I'm looking forward to some of the shopping, some of the um, the classes that they have, and learning something new. Never too old to learn anything new, so it's going to be an exciting event. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, to all of our listeners, stay tuned. Make sure you're listening and sharing with your friends. We're not gone. We'll be back. Stay tuned. This is Mary Parker, your host of The Chick in Charge. And I've got my co-host with me today, Sarah Smith of Road Solutions. Hey, Mary. And Court Wilson. Our guest is J.R. Baker Flowers. I just said to her before we came on that she's my cousin. I claim everyone <laughs> with my mother's maiden name. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank you. J.R. is a, uh, she's an author, a filmmaker, speaker and she just published her first book as well and she is also the founder and founder and creator of the help me out here the unlearning project llc the unlearning project llc i'm going to turn the mic over to you right now jr please tell us a little bit about yourself and we're going to dive right in excellent thank you all so much for having me here it's such an honor um, again my name is jr baker flowers i'm actually an atlanta native um, i grew up here and always love to come back home i've lived in dc for um, a few years now and um, over the last few years i uh, have developed um, a project within the unlearning project called the No Bitch Here Project, and what inspired me to do that was simply being an observer, being a person who started to become really aware of the prevalence um, of the word bitch in multimedia spaces, right. and I found that very uh, worrisome, very troubling, especially due to the widespread acceptance of this word, yeah. um, and because of my brain, the way that it operates, but also with my training from undergrad and graduate school, I'm a researcher at heart. And so I just simply had to know why. I'm always asking those questions, yes. you know? And so um, I received a small grant to do um, a documentary where I interviewed um, nine very dynamic, amazing women from diverse backgrounds. And I really wanted to have this conversation to spark critical dialogue about this word and not just because of the fact that it's in multimedia spaces but also how it's impacting women and men and young children in our everyday lives you know and over the last couple of years what emerged from that project uh, the film and also um, having these critical conversations in DC but also in Atlanta um, I felt very much inspired to take the conversation further and so therefore I uh, wrote the book uh, which I published in February of this year, which is really exciting. And uh, the title of my book is um, Breaking Bitch, Dismantling the Lies to Reclaim Your Truth. And I, I really love it. I do too. Thank you. I do Thank too. you so much. And it's Thank so you. positive. It's very Thank you. It's, I was really intrigued when I saw your, um, you. your card here. Yeah. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your book. 
Yeah, it's um, really a penetrating analysis of this word. Um, it really has become a monster, if you will, like this Leviathan and also a knee-jerk response that people use when they are either upset with a woman, right? Right. Um, when she is being, quote-unquote, um, too abrasive or too aggressive. Um, unfortunately, never there's never a word. Means- there's never a word that people call a man when he's acting in the, the exact way. same way, right? He's just being out of control a at man. the moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's unfortunately become um, one of these sort of uh, go-to words that people use when they um, want to, quote-unquote, celebrate their sisters or their friends or, you know, their, their girlfriends or something like that. And what people are not understanding is that the more that they continue to use this word, the more that each of us are responsible for creating more spaces where women and young girls are called this word. Right. And it's really detrimental to how we are creating and shaping our present reality, but also our future realities as well. And if we are in this space of wanting to um, overturn longstanding patriarchy, which is extremely critical to do for many obvious reasons, um, then we're going to have to really start with language. You know, I always say when I'm conducting seminars and trainings that language and communication, those are really the cornerstones of humanity, right? Right. Like how we express ourselves um, pertains to everything. How we are creating policies that actually have impacts in people's lives, you know? Um, Because I live in Washington, D.C., I'm not very far from the White House. And, of course, you feel the effects of that, right, in society, in these communities that we live in. And we've seen how language, just words alone, really have an impact in people's lives and how families are separated, you know, and how we continue to um, um, perpetuate these old narratives about women and and girls and and other various groups as well. Well, you know, I... um I'm so encouraged with what you're doing. Thank you very much. We had a guest earlier and talked to us about HIV Mm. AIDS and the widespread and the increasing numbers within our community. Absolutely. And so it's huge. Yeah. So the phenomenon is similar to the use of the B word. Absolutely. You know, but I I hear it. I hear you. I hear Mm. you and I feel your passion and thank Thank you you for taking this on. Thank you very and much. And only, by the way, and only a chick in charge would do that. Thank so you I very much. So I applaud you for that. <laughs> but you know, for our young girls especially, mm. the word has become so accepting. It's very, But very there accepting. is absolutely, hear us, hear us listeners, if you're listening, please share this with your girlfriends, your family members. There's nothing attractive about being called the B word. Mm-hmm. There is nothing positive in the use of the B word. And I'm telling you, and I don't know who you are out there, but you are absolutely not what they say you are. If they're using the B word to address you as a someone. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. can take it from there, I have a passion with that mm. too. You better not call me. I B feel word. it. I feel <laughs> it. I love it. And you know, I, I, I feel what you're saying. And I firmly believe that that comes from the way in which we were raised right like there's been a huge cultural shift in terms of the the widespread acceptance of it when I was growing up you know that was one of the what I call the oh no no's right like it's just it was a term that you simply did not use and you also didn't hear or see it in 
television programming no. or films. You know, you really had to go to the um, channels, if you will, that were restricted as a you know and from that children. Was very very late at night, and you Absolutely. probably don't even remember those no, days. It was very late, <laughs> <laughs> very late. But it, I, I, you know, over over the last. Uh, um, two decades, actually, which I speak about in my book, there's been a huge cultural shift. And I was having a conversation a couple of days ago, actually, about what has brought about that cultural shift. Um, And I believe that in a lot of media spaces, we always want to push the bar, right? We want to to push it to um, greater heights. And we want to challenge um, these sort of like old school utopian viewpoints, which on the one hand, we should break free from conformity in some ways. Absolutely. But at the same time, there are a lot of values that we do not want to lose. That's right. You know, and what has happened now is that we have shifted into this conformity of using hate speech under the guise of new age feminism, if you will. And so what you were saying before about a lot of young girls um, and also um, older women in their 30s, 40s, and some in their 50s as well, they have began to um, embrace this word as one of endearment. Yes. And it is not. You know, I sim- I can't put that in any other words ex- except to say that this word is not loving. It's not kind no, because it's demeaning. It's very demeaning. Belittling. Because this word was actually born out of hatred. And when I conduct a lot of my seminars and, and speeches and things like that, I I ask people, do you know the history of this word, the etymology of it? And almost all the time no one actually knows right and I find that you know and I find that with how we as human beings across racial dimensions across um, gender across socioeconomic levels across um, uh, geographic barriers we as human beings don't necessarily take the time to actually understand the historical evolution of words and also how they emerge and so this term was born out of hatred and just a really quick um, historical overview uh, this word was actually born out of uh, Greco-Roman mythology with uh, the goddesses of the hunt um, uh, Artemis and Diana and so they were uh, depicted in artistic forms always with a pack of dogs and so over time their names and women began to be and femininity in general began to be attached with dogs and so hence the term bitch right Um, and in the old Norse language um, it was called um, beak and so that means b-i-t-c-h but what happened was in those ancient Greco-Roman times um, when a woman challenged the status quo right when she was not um, someone who cleaved to the norms or social mores of that time, meaning that she was probably unmarried, she was probably very independent. Um, also, she may have been a woman who embraced her femininity and her sexuality. And we see that, you know, fast forward many, many years later, yes. that women who own that are called this word too, yes. <laughs> and a threat to society. Um, but also, uh, <laughs> women, <laughs> let's just be honest, and also, <laughs> Um, women who were considered to be wild women or women of nature, meaning medicine women, um, then they were called this word. And it was created specifically by the males in charge. So males who were the heads of state, men who were in charge of politics, um, men who were in charge of um, um, education and all those things too. So in essence, you have a word that was born out of a patriarchal viewpoint specifically to alienate women from society. 
And that still reigns supreme today. Because the moment that a woman is called this word, then she is instantly cast into this space of uh, people not wanting to um, be friends with her, her being uh, threatening, you know, and, and someone who is not able to, quote unquote, be handled. And what I have been researching and charting within, within my research, within my book, and also uh, some of the other work that I do is that you see this narrative be told over and over and over again, specifically about black women across multimedia spaces. And we're seeing this in a lot of the films that are emerging and a lot of the uh, television programs and a lot of the web series that are developing. And while some of the subject matter does have good content, um, this word is so prevalent. Yes, and that is yes. extremely problematic because, again, words do mean things. You know, whether people want to say that we can, quote unquote, reappropriate these words, meaning that we can reclaim them. But again, words born out of hatred beget more hatred and beget more hatred. And the only way that we can ever counteract hatred is through love. Absolutely. And that is a huge part of my Absolutely. message as well, you know. And so if we want to truly empower ourselves, we have to do that with authentically, unquestionably, categorically loving words. So in terms of addressing the issue, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if we're called that word, mm. I, I have one way that I would deal with it. How would you deal with it? <laughs> or how have you dealt okay, with it? I always tell my pastor, <laughs> I always, my pastor, you know I'm in security, right? I always tell my pastor that I'm his Peter among the group. Okay. And what I mean by that is I have no problem taking off the ear. Someone else may have to repair it, but okay. I have no problem okay. taking off the ear. Okay. okay. And so that would be the first, my first approach would be to emphatically let the person know they called me mm. the wrong name. Mm -hmm. And that characteristic is not one that I display. Absolutely. And I would immediately ask for an apology. Mm. Now for others, I would tell them something differently. Never ever give a person a smile mm. because that's being, that's accepting. Right. I would also say never remain silent because your silence is in a, could be misconstrued as you're agreeing and it's okay. Absolutely. But always, if you're called, if anyone calls you that B word and you don't like it, and that's, you know that's not who you are, mm -hmm. I challenge you to address it head on, mm -hmm. right then, mm -hmm. with whomever it is. That's a great, that, great thing to do, Mary. Yeah, Absolutely. and that also shows that individual something they didn't know about you, and that's confidence. Yes. yes. And in my experience, it's always that confidence neutralizes. Mm. And when I walk into a place, I'm going to gain control. I love that. And typically, it's through the confidence, because my confidence being so high reduces the level of confidence of mm. others who are in the room. So you want to practice that, and you want to make sure I love when it. you go in that you are the chicken charge. I love it. And that everyone knows. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone listening, that is how you deal with someone who's disrespecting you. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, in other moments, um, asking the person, do you know what that means? You know, and not only do you realize what you've done to me, but do you realize what you've done to yourself? Do you do you understand how you've now exposed yourself? as a person who in this moment decided you wanted to sink so low that you called another person out of their name. Yes. What does that say about yeah. you, right? Out of their name. You know, like that, that illustrates your character more than it does the other person 
whose identity you're trying to assassinate. Wow. You know what I mean? Yep. Yes. No, I love that. I love it too. I am so mm. happy you're attending. Thank you and very much. I'm, I'm, what, do you know what time you're speaking? Um, yeah, so I already had a seminar today uh, with yes. the teens uh, for the Teen Summit, and it was really incredible. But on Sunday, I'm also going to have another seminar um, where I'll be uh, talking about breaking the bitch culture and how um, to become liberated in a stay woke slash media obsessed culture. Because we do. We live in a very like heavily, highly, highly, highly saturated culture um, where we're constantly engaging with media all the time. Mm -hmm. And some of these messages, actually a lot of them, I would say, are really destructive and have within them a lot of toxic implications. Yes. And so we have to really open our eyes to what a lot of this content is saying and, and the, the realities that they're trying to create and the subliminal messages that the are subliminal within. messages yeah. absolutely yeah. Mm -hmm. so thank you so thank you much, very much cousin. yes cousin, yes, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here thank you for um, having what me what time are you speaking i want the audience to know what time you're speaking on yes sunday. absolutely on sunday i will be speaking at two o'clock until three thirty. so please come and attend it's going to be really really amazing Absolutely. I'm going to try and join you on Please Sunday. Do. I, I, that's something. I believe I can move that around, but you're going to be interesting. Thank you very much. It's going to be very engaging. Yeah. So I, I, I hope to you, our listening audience, you have, that was a great takeaway for you. Yes. Uh, and you are able to stay in contact with her. Go ahead and tell them how to reach you. Yes, yes. You all can follow me on all of my social media pages. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, at J.R. Baker Flowers. Um, you can also visit my website at uh, jrbaker-flowers.com. Um, and just follow me. I have a lot of interesting media content, a lot of um, videos where I'm speaking about these issues, especially the B word as it relates to issues that are very prevalent, like street harassment, for example, wow. and understanding how this wow. word is now weaponized to yep. assault women. Very good. And, mm -hmm. and we're going we're gonna to connect. I'll, I'll talk Wonderful. to you offline about that. Thank you. We've had a great time thus far. We are at just a little bit afternoon. We'll be here until 2 p.m. this afternoon. So make sure you let your friends and community everyone know that we are here live at the Georgia International Convention Center Black Women's Expo. And uh, we want you to come on out, but we also want you to keep listening. We've got great information for you today. Thank you for joining us. We're not gone. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Mary Parker, your host of the Chick in Charge podcast. We're, we're broadcasting live today at the Georgia International Convention Center with the Black Women's Expo. Yes. I've got with me, as usual, my co-host Sarah Smith Hello. with Solution Rose and Port Wilson. Hey, Port. Hey, Port Wilson. And we're excited because being here at the Black Women's Expo, we have the founder, Mary Green, is the president of MGPG Events from Chicago, oh, no, my favorite I, town. I, so, Mary, if that. you would just begin, just tell us a little bit about you and how did you decide to wow. create a convention, an expo like this? Well, you know, it truly was a fluke, I should say. I mean, we didn't started thinking it would last this long. We're 24 years old next year. Oh my year, God. 2019 will be 25 years. Wow. But um, started it at V103 Radio. 
I was oh. promotion and marketing director. Well, all right. In Chicago. And, you know, that was my job to create all the events for the listening audience and for our advertisers as well. And um, we wanted to do something that was going to be focused on our audience, which was 60% female at that time. And, um, you know, there were a lot of issues in Chicago as there are today. And most major cities around the country. Oh, yes, there is. I lived in Chicago in the 70s, early 80s. Okay. We'll come back so to you that. Know. Yes, so I you did. know. Chicago is a great dynamic city, but there are a lot of, you know, issues. Lots you know, of issues. Lots of racial tension. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about some of those issues in a, in a weekend forum. We wanted to create an exposition. We really didn't know what we were doing at the time. Um, but it was great for the radio station because it involved a couple things. It involved, you know, the kind of programming that we would normally do with the FCC, you know, requirement. So we were doing that. It involved entertainment on our main stage sure. and music. So it was great for the radio station. So, and it brought in their advertisers. So it yeah, was great yeah. financially to revenue wise. So it was a, it was an excellent idea. And three years into it, um, my boss has said, Okay, you need to take this expo on the road. Oh, nice. You need to take this expo out of the station, basically. And that started MGPG Events. So Did I'm they give you your seed money? No, no seed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. In a way, they gave me my seed money because I was doing two jobs. Yeah. I was hired to do with a contract to produce the expo at the same time that I was the, being paid you know, weekly to, do, to be the pro, um, uh, promotions director. So I moved two blocks away took half of my staff with me, and we started to produce the expo on the outside. Yeah. I love it. I love <laughs> it. See an opportunity and seize the moment. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So uh, the, now that you're here, yes. and now that you're taking your show on the road, what are some of the things you're expecting that you have done that you're expecting your, yeah. your, your attendees to walk away with? Well, you know, one thing that I want uh, to be very clear is that we don't, want to walk into a market now that we're in three markets in Chicago, Atlanta, and Dallas and try to replicate everything that we do in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Each city is different. I mean, it has its own, its own uh, you know, stamp. And so we try to come in and work with the, you know, with people in the community. We have so many partners here in Atlanta, so many promotional partners. It, it, one day I just sat and typed them all up and realized I had about 15 of them. Oh, wow, That yeah. were sending Fantastic. out our information, that were jumping on board. And, and you know, if, if this thing was a month from now, it would even be more than that because people, the buzz, and everybody wanted to be a part of it. So um, we try to come in and, and work with those in the city and especially on our seminar side to really come up with those topics that are important important to Atlanta, that are important to Chicago and Dallas as well. So I was just looking at some emails a few minutes ago from the young lady who's working with us in Dallas, Gloria Smith, and she's got, she's got seminar topics, she's got speakers already, and that show is in a couple of weeks. So we, we definitely want to, you know, really replicate what the city needs. I have a question. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes I'm great. just thinking. It, it's excellent to be able to think. Um, yeah. when, when you have different, you know, different years, do you see similar themes reflected? Well, um, I think you can just say, I mean, when people come on to work with us on the expo for the first time and they always want to know what we're going to talk about. But I can tell you the themes are going to be the same for African-Americans. We're going to talk about health and wellness. Yeah. We're going to talk about careers. We're going to talk about financial independence. We're going to talk about racial issues. We're going to talk about, you know, um, uh, you know, advancement. You know, we're going to talk about business ownership. I mean, African-Americans are, the, you know, really the number one in terms of women. 
in oh, terms of going into business. <laughs> in terms of going into business, you know. So yes. we're going to talk about those things in almost every city. But you know, there might be a twist on what that is in Chicago. You're gonna we're going to talk about the crime. Yes, got it. You know, yes. we're going to talk about um, that's a number head, one concern. Yeah, that's a number one concern. Headlining, headlining, yeah, headlining. Yeah, and the youth and what's going on with our youth. So we, you know, for for us as African Americans, it's going to be pretty much the same. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's wonderful, and I applaud you for convening yeah. Yeah, this particular segment of people. Yeah. I do that with my foundation. Do you? Um, yes, I do, because I think it's important for our community leaders to come together yes. uh, for some common causes. Yes. Mine, with my foundation, is education, entrepreneurial, and reentry. Okay. Reducing recidivism. Re- reducing recidivism. Right. Uh, so I applaud you for doing that, first of all. We've got to do more of that in yes. any way that we can help yes. in doing it here yes. in Chicago or Dallas. It, yeah. Count me in. Um, but also, in terms of the, the young people, um, now many of them are going back to school. What are some of the things, tips that you would like to offer? Really? Uh, to, young yeah, to young people. <laughs> well, so many of them, and it, and it was interesting last night, we had a reception, a, an awards reception where we recognized um, four women locally, including your mayor. I oh, mean, wow. How, how could, she was not able to attend, but how could you not? Right. I right. mean, as a black woman's event, you know, we were so excited when she won. So um, I think what, you know, what we're seeing in young people is that they're, they're bypassing that whole corporate thing. Yeah. You know, and really going into business. A lot of millennials. Right. You yeah. know, and I applaud them for that. So if there was anything I could say about it is that there's going to be some rough times. You know, there's going to be some ups and downs. Yeah, but just stay with it. Absolutely. And I'm glad. This is a great segue, <laughs> Sarah, into um, the Entrepreneurial University. Okay. I've created for that reason because okay. so many young people are they're wanting to do things differently yes. than what we recognize as traditional. Right. So I've created from my experience that most of the principles I'm teaching are proven through my work. Okay. And I created an online university that is launching this fall. Okay. It is called Facts University. Stands for Focus, Analyze, Commit, and Strategize. Okay. Teaching entrepreneurs to become CEOs. That's right. where the difference is right. coming. Right. Becoming CEOs of the businesses they right. run. And uh, you know, one of the women that spoke last night was talking about, you know, we are just we, we need to go from small businesses to medium size. That's you know, there's right. a lot of small businesses. Yes. Yeah. Especially in the African American yes. community. A lot of small businesses. We've got the stores, we've got the restaurants, we've got the salons, yeah. we've got all but of those things. We need cybersecurity, we need you. IT, we need we heavy need, construction. Right. Exactly. We need we need people going into career fields right. and scaling their business to a level that they can employ, right. but more importantly, have a greater impact on the economics exactly. of the places where we exactly. live. Exactly. You're exactly right. Yes. Thank <laughs> you, Mary. And, oh, and by the way, by the way, I have to give a shout out. We have three <laughs> Marys oh, on the no. show today. And Port, Port, you have a Mary in your family as well. He said, I do. Wow, so many Marys. <laughs> so we've got four, we've got the presence of four women, four Marys today. So that's yes. got to mean something. Yeah, I think it Mary, is. I know that you've got a conference call coming yes. up in just a few moments. But I would like for you to just give us a few parting words and, and give a shout out to the expo and invite yeah. people to come on out the remainder I, of the weekend. I definitely want to invite people to come out. Um, Friday is generally our youth day. So it's sort That's of like our here. way of getting through, huh? <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Oh, yes. Our way of getting through and, um, you know, working out any kinks. But Saturday and Sunday are the big days. So Regina King is tomorrow. The actress and director will be on our main stage at 4 o'clock. 
We have wonderful entertainment and fashion shows and hair shows. So a lot of fun. Genuine will be performing yes, on I Sunday. And we've got a great gospel program um, following that. So there's a lot to see and have fun here. There are a number of sessions that you can be a part of, um, seminars all day long on both days. So, um, And it's inexpensive. I mean, most people look at me like, how can you be charging what you're charging? I mean... Uh, tickets are $15 for adults, but half price at all Walgreens right through the show. So that's $7.50. Did you so. hear that? Say that, <laughs> say that again. And how can they acquire tickets again? Walgreens, any Walgreens location. You can get them for half price. I encourage you to do that. If you come to the show, they will be $15. Well, that's great information. Yeah. I'm going to definitely try and make it back on Sunday. I'm good. pretty booked, but I should be uh, yes. free to come sometimes after 4 yeah, good. on Sunday. Be a good time. Either way, we're going to stay in contact Thank with you. you. Let us know what we can do to help support this expo in Atlanta. And this is an annual event, This will correct? be annual, yes. Okay. Well, we very will be good. back big very way. Good. We wish you great success. Thank you. Come on, Atlanta. We've got to support this right, woman right. and uh, all that she's doing. And all of the local vendors that are at our show. Yes. A lot yes. of local yes. vendors. A lot of Come local, on out. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so thank you very, very You're much, very Mary, for being here with Mary and Sarah Mary and and, um, and Port Mary and, and Port, Port Mary. Mary. <laughs> and so we're just so happy, and you've given us some excellent information. Thank you. And so to our listening audience, we bring to you this day the uh, Black Women's Expo at the Georgia International Convention Center. Again, this is Mary Parker, the Chick in Charge podcast. We're leaving for now. We'll be back. Stay tuned. We're recording live today here at the Georgia International Convention Center with the w Black Women's Expo. And I've got my, my co-host, Ms. Sarah Smith. Hi, Mary. Solution Hi, Mary. Rose. And we've got Port Wilson with us. But you know, we're so excited and so happy that we've been able to bring as many of the attendees of this uh, expo on the show today. Yes. And now we have Ms. Tamara yes. Gardner who is the founder of Black Women About Business. I'm eager to hear about that, so we're going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about you and what this Black Women About Business is all about. Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. Um, black Women About Business is all about creating sacred spaces of business and wellness support for black female leaders and entrepreneurs. Um, so although, you know, for years I've been supporting people in the consulting space in terms of strategy and holistic health and executive coaching, I really felt called to do more for the black woman. Um, and so although I've supported women from all walks of life, men too, um, that's the population that we're focused on. And so what we do with Black Women About Business is provide um, business support, executive coaching, training, and then um, wellness support in the form of one to four day conference retreats. I love that. Love that. Because when I saw the title, mm -hmm. I the first thing I said was, okay, we're at the Black Women's Expo yes. and we have the founder of Black Woman, Women About Business. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for helping me understand that there is a difference, yet there's a need for, for them both. Yes. So how do you get into that? You've been working with smaller businesses mm -hmm. or your community. Explain to us about 
the uh, origin. Yeah, absolutely. So I've had a consulting practice for about 11 years now, um, and I'm a licensed therapist and I'm a certified professional coach. Love it. So holistic modalities have always been near and dear to my heart, and I feel like there's lots of pathways to healing. And so being in a business space as well as a wellness space, I really wanted to combine those two worlds um, and just felt called back in January of 2017 to do more for black women, in part because I was finding myself having a lot of conversations with them saying we need a space that we can call our own. We need a space that we can call our own. You know, I've been talking to people about wanting to launch a business and I don't feel like they really understand me in terms of the resources that are out there. So even though um, Black Women About Business is not the only thing out there supporting black women, right? We're here at yes, the Expo. That's right. That's um, right. There are other women doing amazing work, but I still felt that from a market standpoint, there was a need. And so I wanted to step in a space where we could create something for us by us and intersect intersect these worlds between business and wellness right and because I believe that the better we are taking care of ourselves the more successful our businesses can you be. are such a smart woman to do that to teach us about balance yeah I've been in business for 25 years now mm -hmm. and just the last three years have I taken a vacation wow. that was not attached to either another meeting and so, at a location or a conference or something but I was always doing I was always working and just took a little time for me before I went back home yeah to go for a fledged so uh, t tell me what are some of the things that we as women business women especially and then can you address single business women because we really don't understand that balance thing and when it comes to holistic living I need to do a better job. So help yeah, me today. Yeah, well, and the reality is is that we can all do a better job, right? So I want to celebrate you for taking this vacation three years ago. I wish you would have done it 25 years ago. Oh, but right? I'm making up because I'm taking a vacation at least one week per quarter now. I love that. I love that. And I'm sure you've really earned it uh, many times over. Um, so, you know, there are lots of ways that we can take care of ourselves, right? Vacationing is one of those opportunities. Uh, if it's, a, it could be a yoga class. It could be meditation. It could be being outside it could be taking a break um, on the hour every hour to get some fresh air so I think that part of it is being intentional about putting ourselves intentional first. yes um, trying on different kinds of wellness um, because all wellness is not necessarily for us we may not like yoga we may not like mindfulness but the reality is is that there's something that's right size for us but first and foremost we have to be intentional about creating space we have to prioritize ourselves um, and if you're a solopreneur if you're a single person and wearing lots of different hats. Um, it just means that sometimes we have to say no, right? Sometimes we don't take on a project because it's gonna cost us too much to do that. So I'm definitely not suggesting that we turn money away, but I'm, I'm saying that we have to look at the bigger picture and that when people are on their deathbeds, people aren't regretting the money that they didn't make necessarily, right? They're re regretting the re experiences that they didn't have, the relationships that they didn't invest this in. This is so good. Keep going. Yeah. And so, you know, I want women from all walks of life to really say that I lived a life 
that was best suited for me. And it's not just about our careers, right? I mean, I think all of us are doing the work that we have feel called to do, hopefully. Um, and if we're not, that's a part of the work, right, in terms of wellness. That's right. Um, but I, I really living a life where we can say that we did exactly what we wanted to do. We said yes to the things that we wanted to say yes to. We said no to the things that we really wanted to say no to. Um, because in part, that when you're out there and you're doing your thing as an entrepreneur, people are going to be more inclined to ask about you, right? And, oh my and to gosh, pull on yes. You, right? <laughs> and so it means that we have to really pay attention to ourselves and we have to pause so that we're engaged in things that we really want to be engaged in so that we can give the most to those things and that we are putting ourselves first in the midst of that. Wow, this this is so full and you're speaking to me today. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but I'm glad it was, it was me five years ago and not still me today because, uh, and, and listeners, please, entrepreneurs, young women, please listen and take notes on the things that we are sharing with you today because I was that person when I started my business uh, 25 years ago, what I understood was I knew how to be a security officer. Mm. And you may be starting your business knowing that you can do accounting, but can you do it or have you transitioned or added your skills to where you can train and become a bookkeeper, accountant for other businesses? So uh, just because we start somewhere, doesn't mean that we continue there and not uh, keep adding and keep reinventing and creating opportunities for the space you're talking about. So for a day, I'm going to share with you what my day looks like. Yes. I get up every morning at about 530. Mm -hmm. I, before I get out of bed, of course, I'm going to pray and give thanks for waking up. And then I do my devotional scripture, share that with my family. The next step, by 6.30, I'm already doing my, I've had my breakfast and I'm working out. Mm -hmm. And so that, after that, 8.30, I start looking at emails because otherwise people are texting and emailing all night. I turn my phone on do not disturb between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. Mm -hmm. So if you send a note to me after that time, I'm not going to respond because I now own that space, that's for me. And the other thing I would like to just remind us of is if we are taking care of everyone else, and if we have all of these responsibilities, guess what? We need to be one of the healthiest ones in the pack. Mm. Our minds need to be clear. Our hearts need to be clear. If we're so busy all the time, it doesn't allow time for creativity. Absolutely. And so we are developing greater strengths when we're feeling better. And so I'm gonna turn it back over to Damara because you're just really, really on it. I wanna know, in terms of, and congratulations, you had a birthday in January, I turned 17 in January <laughs> as the owner of All-in-One Security. Excellent. But how do you, how are you recruiting? How are you getting the word? How do people know that you're here? Yeah, so um, we have been promoting all over the country, um, which has been great. So a lot of the small business expos, we've had a present, the um, black business expos, we were there in Chicago when um, the, that was the original location, um, which was amazing. And um, doing a lot of things in the state of Michigan. So one of the things that we're getting ready to do in 2019 is we're going on a Michigan tour. That's where we're based at. So even though we're really focusing on building a global brand. Um, my home base is Michigan. Where? Um, where? Uh, uh, so I'm actually in Kalamazoo uh, as well as Detroit. So I'm I from share... Grand Rapids and that's why oh I, want, my goodness. I wanted you to hurry and get to Michigan. I love it. 
Call me. I'll come support Michigan with oh, you. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That would be such a gift. It would be. I yes. would love that. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, just being in spaces where black women are present. Um, we're building our followership organically. So we're on all the social media platforms. Yes. Um, black women underscore biz is how people can follow us. Um, we have a Facebook page. And so we also do a newsletter. So every couple of weeks, we'll do like a five minute business and wellness video. Um, we do a newsletter every couple of weeks that's full of inspiration and business tips. Again, all geared towards the black woman. And so how do we sign up? How do you how do you sign up for that? Because I would love to get those tips and yes. share those uh, with my followers that as well, would be wonderful with all of the social platforms so folks can uh, sign up to on blackwomenaboutbiz.com um, and so as soon as you get to the page there'll be a pop-up and it'll just take you know a couple seconds and then you'll be connected to our work very good I'm so looking forward to it in terms of the young black girls out there mm -hmm. and you know our kids face many many obstacles um, with the way they look and the clothes they're wearing what advice would you give them? Yeah, so one of the things that I think is so important is that we are not starting from scratch, right? There are people out there that we can glean from. And so if, if you're a young person and you have an interest in a certain field, um, I would say to find out who are those people out there that look like you doing the things that you want to do and to ask them about things that they've learned, to ask them about attire too. Um, but, but then also I think there's something about individuality that can be really powerful, right? And so as I look at you and your black rim glasses and your pearls and everything that you have on this is your signature look right and so no one told you to dress this way you became this and it's a part of your brand Love it. so I think that gleaning from others while also finding your own is really really important because people don't want carbon copies right and no one can be you like you can be you so I always tell people be the best version of yourself don't try to aspire to be this person or that person find out what's out there but then find out what's true for you and then embody that. Know your truths. Yes. Oh, this is excellent and and you're absolutely correct. I I came into my own identity I think when I was in fifth grade. Oh, I love And that. I'm gonna tell you the story. Mm -hmm. My parents were uh, sharecroppers in rural Mississippi at the time. We had a teacher to come from another I don't know if it was large or a small city around the Mississippi area and it was the first time I'd seen a woman with her hair done. Mm -hmm. First time I saw a woman with lipstick. But here's what was important to me. When she walked past, I smelled her fragrance in the air, and she wore high heel shoes and strut like a peacock. Wow. And I watched that lady for years, mm -hmm. and I thought, when I grow up, that's not, I'd never said I want to be like her. When I grow up, that's what I want to do. I love it. And Sarah Port, people who know me will tell you, if they've ever seen me without high heel shoes and lipstick, either ate the lipstick off or they were at the back to school party. Yes. yes. Otherwise, yeah. I was just I've thinking got, that. Yeah. Wearing high heels at the back to school pool party. Yes. Which was smart. Yeah. Because there was a lot of a lot of cement and cans. Yes, yes. But she this, did look fabulous I'm then, sure too. she did. She but, probably always looks fabulous. I haven't seen her look bad. Yeah. Well, that's because yeah. you'll always see me out. <laughs> I get ready hey. for you. I get ready for you, Sarah. Yes. You get ready. I love it. She I gets ready it. for for me and for all these other people. Yeah. So we can we can get and it done. And most importantly, she does it for her. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Me, most first. Importantly. me first. Me yes. first. Well, this is great. Audience, I, I really hope that you have enjoyed listening to us today as much as we've enjoyed bringing these conversations to you. Uh, our mission is to empower you 
and to make sure you're having fun as you're taking time, the time that you spend with us. Again, we are here at the Georgia International Convention Center live at the Black Women's Expo, and we are speaking with Damara Gartner, who is doing her own thing with black women about business on a global scale now. You're in Michigan, Chicago. I know you're going to Dallas. And today she's in Atlanta, Georgia with us where we're broadcasting live. We appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much. And I wish you much, much success as you continue on because you already know that to whom much is given, much is required. Thank you so much. Yes, It's God, been a pleasure. God bless you. We are completing our final interview for the day. It has been absolutely awesome. Thank you again for joining us. We are leaving, but we're not gone. Stay tuned. Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge.